The Fed has raised rates too fast and lowered them too slowly. And even now, as the United States is by far the strongest economic power in the world, it's not even close. We compete with nations that are getting negative rates, something very new, meaning they get paid to borrow money, something that I could get used to very quickly. That was President Donald Trump speaking at the World Economic Forum in Davos. He was addressing a topic that gripped this year's gathering of the global elites, one that remains top of mind today. Last year, after the U.S. Federal Reserve cut its funds rate for the first time since the global financial crisis, most of the world's central banks followed suit. Prominent markets, such as Germany and France, have seen their rates go negative and remain there. Elsewhere, rates are lingering just above zero. After three years of steady increases, the Fed's move to start slashing its benchmark rate again sent two clear signals to the rest of the market. The current economic recovery is not to be trusted, and low interest rates are here to stay. Today, we're going to explore what exactly a lower-for-longer interest rate environment means for private real estate. I'm Kyle Campbell, reporting for PERE, and this is Spotlight. Falling rates are typically a cause for celebration in the commercial real estate industry. Capital is cheap and readily available, especially when fixed-income investors are on the hunt for better yields. Favorable debt markets make refinancing a safe play for long-term holders, and, for those inclined to sell, low rates are likely to pave the way for strong exits. However, there is one group that is less enthusiastic about lower for longer interest rates, institutional investors. The biggest investment issue I have keeping me awake right now is more the just the macroeconomic mm. picture of low rates. Do rates just stay low longer or do they go lower? I, I think the just the pure amount of debt on the government balance sheets and negative rates in what, one third of the world economies, uh, that's Never, we've never seen anything like that. So I don't know what that means for the long time, but I don't know if we enter into some sort of stagflation, deflation, just that unknown is a um, little bit of a fear. That's Anthony Brault, the senior real estate investment officer at the Oregon State Treasury. He's one of many investors coping with what appears to be the new normal of sustained low interest rates. And he's trying to figure out what exactly it means. Does that mean we have lower rates for longer? lower growth rates, lower availability of people to put savings to work, lower availability of retirement pension funds to make the returns needed to pay down their liabilities. People's 401ks do not make as much of a return. That can have a massive rippling effect through the system that really just puts into a very a much longer, lower growth opportunity than a more robust internal consumption growth. I don't know where that puts us, but this is a global stage that we've never seen before, and there's so much capital awash in it that typical returns might be a, a day gone by. The global move to lower rates might be a boon to investors in the near term. At the end of last year, AXA Investment Managers adjusted its forecasts for the real estate funds market to reflect significantly higher return expectations. The Paris-based firm expects U.S. funds to deliver 6.4% returns between 2019 and 2021. That's compared to its previous projection of 3.2%. It made similar bumps to its estimates for the U.K. and Japan, along with moderate increases to its predictions for Australia and the Eurozone. The reason for this renewed optimism is easy to understand. With more money flooding into the space to take advantage of favorable monetary policies, property values will inevitably rise. It's difficult to isolate specific motivating factors, but there is reason to believe this rush of capital is already being reflected in the market. Last year, JLL tracked a record $800 billion of transactions worldwide. However, in all regions, AXA's forecasts pale in comparison to returns achieved in 2018. And the consensus is that funds will produce consistently lower returns the longer this low-rate environment persists. Low rates themselves do not cause diminished returns. 
Rather, as Greg McKinnon, director of research at the Pension Real Estate Association, explains, they are both symptoms of the same ailment, anemic economic growth. If you look historically at how real estate has performed in different interest rate environments, real estate actually performs best in terms of higher total returns, unlevered basis, when interest rates are rising and performs not as well when interest rates are going down, which uh, I think is sort of the opposite of what some people's common sense would tell them, actually. The reason that is, is simply that interest rates really reflect the strength of the economy. So if the economy is doing well, that's when interest rates start to rise. When the economy is doing poorly, that's when interest rates start to go down. And it's that economic effect that really dominates and affects uh, real estate, because if the economy is doing well, that's when space gets leased up, that's when rents can rise, and that's what really drives property values. Put another way, real estate does well when rates fall, but not necessarily when they stay low. While a drop might trigger a rush of refinancing and a spike in sales, that fire flames out pretty quickly and does not necessarily deliver the kind of returns and steady growth over a several-year fund that investors seek. As Justin Curlow, head of research at AXA, tells PERE, this puts additional pressure on fund managers to hit return targets through dispositions, potentially shifting the typical IRR burden from being 60% exit-driven to around 85%. In a typical low-interest rate environment, this might not be so daunting, with inflation driving up asset values. However, appreciation has been on the decline since 2015, accounting for just 1.8 of the 6.4% total one-year returns tracked by the National Council for Real Estate Investment Fiduciaries Property Index in 2019. Still, Institutional capital is flocking to real estate as a safer alternative to public equities and a better return proposition than fixed income instruments. Yet, even with lower benchmarks, managers still need to deliver returns. So you've got extra capital coming in, but this uh, you know, investors are kind of shrugging their shoulders saying, okay, great, it's great I got more capital, but you know, where exactly do I put it? What's happening then is people are looking for places to try to eke out a little bit more return you know, on their real estate investments, you know, increase that yield without taking too much more risk, because there's, there's always the risk, even if you don't believe it's the base case, there's always a risk that the markets do turn or, or a recession comes. So uh, a lot more emphasis is being placed on uh, creating value at the actual property level. What can we do to manage the property, improve the property, you know, lease up the property, whatever, to create more value you know, right the, at the local level, at the building level? I mean, sort of gone are the days where you can just buy a you know, broad portfolio of properties in major markets and just sit on it and get good returns. So you have to work a lot harder to create returns now. For many managers, working harder means making their real estate more operationally intensive. In the office market, this can mean expensive build-outs and high-touch concierge-like services. For multifamily, it can mean joining the amenities arms race. Retail and industrial properties are becoming more specialized and more tenant-centric, too. The management and care of real estate has become of higher value than before. It's less passive. That's Brant Bryan, managing director of the advisory firm, Cressa. As an advisor to both corporate tenants and real estate investment firms, Bryan has seen institutional landlords gravitate towards one of two strategies. They're more likely to become either active, full-service property managers or lease properties on a triple-net basis and relinquish all control to the occupier. That's a choice that boils down to hard-earned, opportunistic returns or low-maintenance, credit-like performance. He has also seen capital chase yield into non-traditional sectors. For real estate investors, the long, sustained, low-interest rate environments basically give real estate investors more surety that their cost to have operations will be low and their cash flow will be high. And therefore, actually, they're taking more risk on unusual assets, secondary assets, 
for high operating complex assets because the low rates are giving them kind of one kind of security blanket. They're taking one risk off the table, so more operating risk has come in. And so you're seeing more specialty assets, again, more mixed-use assets. And in our case, on our occupier focus, we're seeing more investors take risk on the operations of the tenants than ever before. And our job is to help them understand that risk and underwrite that risk. Some risks, however, are difficult to underwrite or even conceptualize. The biggest threat posed by critically low interest rates on a macro scale are the potential impact on the global economy. With rates near, at, or below zero, central banks have limited options to jumpstart their economies if they slip into a recession. For investors, the biggest threat is allowing low interest rates to make them feel invincible. We see some of our clients, and frankly, we see investors get lulled onto sleep in this, in that they think everything is less risky than it really is. Low interest rates sometimes hide risk, and it causes people to ignore risk they shouldn't ignore. So just because money's cheap doesn't mean you should do something stupid. With global stock markets panicking over the implications of a potential coronavirus pandemic, a shift towards tighter monetary policy seems increasingly unlikely, meaning rates are poised to stay low for the foreseeable future. How this impacts private real estate in the long term remains to be seen. That's all for this episode. For more on this topic, see our March 2020 cover, The Downside to Low Interest Rates. To hear more episodes of Spotlight, check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, and PEI's various other titles online. For PERE, I'm Kyle Campbell. Thanks for listening.